Chapter Nine of Peter Simple. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Sylvia M. B. in Washington State. Peter Simple by Frederick Marriott. Chapter Nine. We post up to Porchdown Fair, consequence of disturbing a lady at supper, spontaneous combustion at Romley Gardens, pastry versus piety many are bid to the feast but not the halt the lame or the blind a few days after mcfoy quitted the ship we all had leave from the first lieutenant to go to porchdown fair but he would only allow the oldsters to sleep on shore we anticipated so much pleasure from our excursion that some of us were up early enough to go away in the boat sent for fresh beef we had our breakfast and went up george street where we found all sorts of vehicles ready to take us to the fair we got into one which they called a dilly i asked the man who drove it why it was so called and he replied because he only charged a shilling o'brien who had joined us after breakfasting on board said that this answer reminded him of one given to him by a man who attended the hackney coach stands in london pray said he why are you called waterman waterman replied the man why sir cause we opens the hackney coach doors at last with plenty of whipping and plenty of swearing and a great deal of laughing the old horse whose back curved upwards like a bow from the difficulty of dragging so many arrived at the bottom of porchdown hill where we got out and walked up to the fair there was richardson with a clown and harlequin and such beautiful women dressed in clothes all over gold spangles dancing reels and waltzes and looking so happy there was flint and gingell with fellows tumbling over heads and heels playing such tricks eating fire and drawing yards of tape out of their mouths then there was the royal circus all the horses standing in a line with men and women standing on their backs waving flags while the trumpeters blew their trumpets we walked about for an hour or two seeing the outside of everything we determined to go and see the inside first we went into richardson's where we saw a bloody tragedy with a ghost and thunder and afterwards a pantomime full of tricks and tumbling over one another then we saw one or two other things i forget what but this i know that generally speaking the outside was better than the inside after this feeling very hungry we agreed to go into a booth and have something to eat the tables were ranged all around and in the centre there was a boarded platform for dancing the ladies were there already dressed for partners and the music was so lively that i felt very much inclined to dance but we had agreed to go and see the wild beasts fed at mr polito's menagerie and as it was now almost eight o'clock we paid our bill and set off it was a very curious sight and better worth seeing than anything in the fair i never had an idea that there were so many strange animals in existence there was a taper a great pig with a long nose and a variety of the hippopotamus which the keeper said was an amphibious animal as couldn't live on land and dies in the water however it seemed to live very well in a cage then there was the kangaroo with its young ones peeping out of it a most astonishing animal the keeper said that it brought forth two young ones at a birth and then took them into its stomach again until they arrived at years of discretion then there was the pelican of the wilderness with a large bag under his throat which the man put on his head as a nightcap this bird feeds its young with its own blood when fish are scarce there were a young elephant and three lions and several other animals which i forget now so i shall go on to describe the tragical scene which occurred the keeper had poked up all the animals and had commenced feeding them the great lion was growling and snarling over the shin-bone of an ox cracking it like a nut 
when by some mismanagement one end of the pole upon which the chandelier was suspended fell down striking the door of the cage in which the lioness was at supper and bursting it open it was all done in a second the chandelier fell the cage opened the lioness sprang out i remember to this moment seeing the body of the lioness in the air and then all was dark as pitch what a change not a moment before all of us staring with delight and curiosity and then to be left in darkness horror and dismay there was such screaming and shrieking such crying and fighting and pushing and fainting nobody knew where to go or how to find their way out the people crowded first on one side and then on the other as their fears instigated them i was very soon jammed up with my back against the bars of one of the cages and feeling some beast lay hold of me behind made a desperate effort and succeeded in climbing up to the cage above not however without losing the seat of my trousers which the laughing hyena would not let go i hardly knew where i was when i climbed up i was surmising what danger i should next encounter when to my joy i discovered that i had gained the open door from which the lioness had escaped i crawled in and pulled the door to after me thinking myself very fortunate and there i sat very quietly in a corner during the remainder of the noise and confusion i had been there but a few minutes when the beef-eaters as they were called who played the music outside came in with torches and loaded muskets no one was seriously hurt as for the lioness she was not to be found and as soon as it was ascertained that she had escaped there was as much terror and scampering away outside as there had been in the menagerie it appeared afterwards that the animal had been as much frightened as we had been and had secreted herself under one of the wagons it was some time before she could be found at last o'brien who was a very brave fellow went ahead of the beef-eaters and saw her eyes glaring they borrowed a net or two from the carts which had brought calves to the fair and threw them over her and when she was fairly entangled they dragged her by the tail into the menagerie all this while i had remained very quietly in the den but when i perceived that its lawful owner had come back to retake possession i thought it was time to come out so i called to my messmates who with o'brien were assisting the beef-eaters they had not discovered me and laughed very much when they saw where i was one of the midshipmen shot the bolt of the door so that i could not jump out and then stirred me up with a long pole at last i contrived to unbolt it again and got out when they laughed still more at the seat of my trousers being torn off it was not exactly a laughing matter to me although i had to congratulate myself upon a very lucky escape and so did my messmates think when i narrated my adventures o'brien lent me a dark silk handkerchief which i tied round my waist and let drop behind so that my misfortunes might not attract any notice we then went to what they called the ronley gardens to see the fireworks which were to be let off at ten o'clock it was exactly ten when we paid for our admission and we waited very patiently for a quarter of an hour but there were no signs of the fireworks being displayed the fact was that the man to whom the gardens belonged waited until more company should arrive although the place was already very full of people now the first lieutenant had ordered the boat to wait for us until twelve o'clock and then return on board and as we were seven miles from portsmouth we had not much time to spare we waited another quarter of an hour and then it was agreed that as the fireworks were stated in the handbill to commence precisely at ten o'clock we were fully justified in letting them off ourselves o'brien went out and returned with a dozen penny rattans which he notched in the end the fireworks were on the posts and stages already and it was agreed that we should light them all at once and then mix with the crowd the oldsters lighted the cigars and fixing them in the notched end of the canes 
continued to puff them until they were all well lighted they handed one to each of us and at a signal we all applied them to the match papers and as soon as the fire communicated we threw down our canes and ran in among the crowd in about half a minute off they all went in the most beautiful confusion there were silver stars and golden stars blue lights and catherine wheels mines and bombs grecian fires and roman candles chinese trees rockets and illuminated mottoes all firing away cracking popping and fizzing at the same time we all escaped very cleverly and taking another dilly arrived at portsmouth and were down to the boat in good time sunday being a fine day we all went on shore to church with mr falcon the first lieutenant we liked going to church very much not i am sorry to say from religious feelings but for the following reason the first lieutenant sat in a pew below and we were placed in the gallery above where he could not see us nor indeed could we see him we all remained very quiet and i may say very devout during the time of the service but the clergyman who delivered the sermon was so tedious and had such a bad voice that we generally slipped out as soon as he went up into the pulpit and adjourned to the pastry-cooks opposite to eat cakes and tarts and drink cherry brandy which we infinitely preferred to hearing a sermon somehow or other the first lieutenant had scented our proceedings we believed that the marine officer informed against us and this sunday he served us a pretty trick we had been at the pastry-cooks as usual and as soon as we perceived the people coming out of church we put all our tarts and sweetmeats into our hats which we then slipped on our heads and took our station at the church door as if we had just come down from the gallery and had been waiting for him instead however of appearing at the church door he walked up the street and desired us to follow him to the boat the fact was he had been in the back room at the pastry-cook's watching our motions through the green blinds we had no suspicion but thought that he had come out of the church a little sooner than usual when we arrived on board and followed him up the side he said to us as we came on deck walk aft young gentlemen we did and he desired us to tow a line which means to stand in a row now mr dixon said he what was the text to-day as he very often asked us that question we always left one in the church until the text was given out who brought it to us at the pastry-cook's shop when we all marked it in our bibles to be ready if he asked us dixon immediately pulled out his bible where he had marked down the leaf and read it oh that was it said mr falcon you must have remarkably good ears mr dixon to have heard the clergyman from the pastry-cook's shop now gentlemen hats off if you please we all slided off our hats which as he expected were full of pastry really gentlemen said he feeling the different papers of pastry and sweetmeats i am quite delighted to perceive that you have not been to church for nothing few come away with so many good things pressed upon their seat of memory master-at-arms send all the ship's boys aft the boys all came tumbling up the ladders and the first lieutenant desired each of them to take a seat upon the carronade slides when they were all stationed he ordered us to go round with our hats and request of each his acceptance of a tart which we were obliged to do handing first to one and then to another until the hats were all empty what annoyed me more than all was the grinning of the boys at their being served by us like footmen as well as the ridicule and laughter of the whole ship's company who had assembled at the gangways when all the pastry was devoured the first lieutenant said there gentlemen now that you have had your lesson for the day you may go below we could not help laughing ourselves when we went down into the berth End of chapter 9